on Young SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hello, everybody. Hi there. Hello. What? Are we very shy tonight? <laughs> I'm never sure who should go first, if it's me or Megan. And then we both do the same thing, and we pause, and then we'll say it at the same time, and then it's just a mess for the editor. Who's me? It is. Aww. It's true. I notice a lot of times we say it at the same time. But you know you can make – I mean – I, I am queen of, like, moving people around when we edit. Like, when that happens, it's, like, really easy to do. But once you do that, it shifts everything after that and the rest of the podcast. And so by the time I get to our Anyangs at the end, all of our Anyangs are at way different places, and I have to then reline those up. And it's not a big deal, but I thought I'd just tell you. So yeah. you could be, like, hacking our entire, like, podcast and, like, redoing words and making I, a sound. I 100%. I do sometimes. Like if there's like really? I've done that, yeah, I've totally done that. If if somebody has flubbed a word, like and it's happened before, like where you flub a word or you say it too fast or you miss like a letter in it, like you miss, you know, it's like a FL or something, and you miss the L really quick. I will go and find somewhere else in the podcast where you say that letter combination, and I'll copy and paste what? it. Yeah, you do? I do. I'm like super meticulous. Oh my god, yeah. I feel kind that of is sick hearing. <laughs> Like, sick in, like, a, like, not disgusted way, but overwhelmed. This is what, we, when when Leah and I last did the podcast Just Ourselves, this is what I talked about. I was like, you know, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that Amy does that I don't, like, Including that- finding missing syllables. I do. I find <laughs> syllables. Crazy. Or I have, on occasion, if anybody has ever, like, listened to a podcast and be like, that was like kind of a, a weird, like, that word sounded, like, a little bit weird. Like, the voice changed a little bit. It's because sometimes I will record the syllable that's missing from one of you, and I'll put it in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel, Let's, I don't like, know Like, we how should I have feel. a game. We should ask the listeners if they, if they Find Amy's episodes that Amy. <laughs> Find Amy's type A kooky edits. <laughs> I do want to say that we there were a couple episodes there that we were using a different recording program that we thought would be better, but it wasn't. And now we're back to our original one. So we're hoping that the sound is better. Thanks for bearing with us again. We are newbies and trying our best. Always learning. Well, actually, we're actually we're almost at a year. We already are past a year. We're past a year now. We are? We dropped yeah, we the end of January. We didn't do a year celebration. <gasps> I was thinking it was... Be- oh, I thought it was... end. Um, right now, let's I do it. it end of February. Okay, happy anniversary, guys. <laughs> Woo! It's Yay! been such a crazy year, we didn't realize it was a year, <laughs> but it was a year. Oh my gosh, you're right. I was thinking it was February for some reason, but we did. We dropped end of, end of January. That's nuts. I think it was like the last day or two of January, yes. Oh, wow. And we were... I mean, this okay. all just stemmed from... A ridiculous text chain that none of us could keep up with because we just wanted to talk so much about K dramas that we were like, we should do a podcast, jokingly. Mm-hmm. And now here we are, mm-hmm. how many thousands of downloads later, and just super, yeah. super in love with you all for listening to us. And an Instagram that is blowing up and a Patreon that's active, and it's pretty awesome. 
And I do feel like this is, I guess this makes me feel a little better because sometimes I do realize that I have a tendency to overwhelm people online with responses. <laughs> like I would be a very bad celebrity. Let's put it that way. Like if somebody like, I mean, if, you, like if you slid into Leah's DMs, she would totally write back. <laughs> yeah. Like if I was like a famous person, I'd be like fucked immediately because I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll talk to you. Sure. And so the fact that I just like annoy, like, cause I, I tried a few places like when this was first happening, like I spoke to you guys, but I also would like speak in other places like, oh, like blah, blah, blah. I want to talk about K-dramas. I want to talk about K-dramas. Who else were you talking and- to? I mean, not many people, a couple writers we know, you know, okay, like, okay, whatever. That's okay. And I don't feel like, like... Where are you going without us? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and, you know, you two were the only ones who ever humored that. Mm-hmm. And now look what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so if you keep messaging Leah, you're going to end up keeping messaging Leah. Like, you're just going to be... end up on like another podcast. <laughs> Oh, God. Actually, I forgot to tell you, uh, Neil mentioned a podcast that we should do. So, like, he knows about how, like, Nicolas Cage is kind of like a running joke. He thinks thinks we should start a podcast that's basically just called, like, I Hate Nicolas Cage. And it's just... And it's just oh my Leo, god! You and just... it's just Leo watching Nicolas Cage content and talking about what, how much she hates it. I mean, I don't think that's the energy that I want to put out. And I'm not sure that I want that to be my legacy. However, I do appreciate that Neil gets me. Yeah, he does. I told him that, too. I said, well, that's just really, like, negative energy to put out. Like, that it's just a constant, like, that can be a little draining. But he does get you. And he actually was like, I would listen to that. I think it would be hilarious. I mean, we could make it like a two part. It doesn't have to be like an. Ev- I don't it could know. Be a snack. I, yeah, I couldn't. It could cont- be a quick little snack. <laughs> Not even a snack. Like you know, like when you can do like a be short like, right, podcast. Leah's gonna like, watch. You know, like Leah's gonna watch like just one scene from Face Off and react to it. <laughs> Face. Wait, have you ever seen Face Off? I forget. Have you? S- I know Amy has. No, I'm aware of the pivotal face. Being John Travolta and Nicolas Cage switch faces classic yeah, i mean face, i get like, it i know faces <laughs> they have the jail the jail with the magnetic boots like okay, but i'm gonna genius. tell you something i just really do want to let you know something yeah they actually don't really switch faces they're just playing what? each other's character <laughs> shut up <laughs> no, no no this is before this is before like good cgi like they switched faces <laughs> I'd also love to. I'd love to see you watch Gone in sixty seconds as well. That's Just a fun one. I mean, like Angelina Jolie's in it. Well, as we build out our media empire and start launching satellite pods, then I will take that on. I will take that on offer. Isn't there that one movie coming out where he plays a version of himself, like where it's totally meta? Oh, uh, I forget what I, it is, but yeah, I forget I the name we, of it. I think but we you're are right. going to have to maybe do a little. A little snack on that one. I'm like, you, sir, you, sir, are no John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I do love John Malkovich. Except John he Malkovich was... is in Con Air with Nick Oh, my Cage. God, he is! <laughs> he is! Oh, shit. Good one, Amy. Good one. Again, so this is the fascination I have with Amy's brain is, like, I always am fa- I'm fascinated with all three of our brains and what lives in our brain. Like, what is taking up 
a lot of real estate. A lot estate of real estate in my brain is useless knowledge about Hollywood. But like very, very specific. It's true, Amy. You know like everything. And you yeah, remember. Even movies I haven't seen. Even movies I haven't it's crazy. seen I know stuff about. It's crazy that you, and you remember like really specific scenes from movies that sh- like a su- really surprised me that you still remember. Like, you know, from like old movies. I can't believe you remember as much as you do. But do you th- do you think about it? Like, is it just recall or it's like, okay. No, I don't. It just comes out. No, I don't think about it at all. Like, it ju- like just now when you're like, he's no John Malkovich. Your brain I- is like, just spits out a ticket. Yeah, like John Malkovich. <laughs> as soon- right. As soon as you said John Malkovich, yeah. the like ticker tape started going. <laughs> so, Megan, what's taking up real estate in your brain? Yeah. So amazing. I mean, I, this, I'm curious today. Well, it's, this is funny because, <laughs> like, well, no, it's just funny because Leah and I have kind of talked about this where, you know, um, obviously <laughs> she knows a lot about BTS more than I think any of us need to know. And I'm not, that's not a dig. Like, I'm same way. Like, I know facts about ATs and, like, I do not need to know. Like, it takes up space in my brain, but yet. <laughs> I have, like, papers sitting behind me that have to be returned to my son's teacher. Like, they were supposed to be returned, like, two weeks ago, and they're just, like, sitting there, but yet I know that, like, San from ATs has, like, a 26-inch waist. Like, but I can't... That's a problem with priorities, not brain What is space. wrong so with, my, well, with my life? You know, you know I mean, mean? We, have, we have limited brains. We... Yeah, limited short-term recall. I'm sorry, hold on. I just need to correct myself. It's a 28-inch waist. I uh, shortened him two inches. Okay, priorities, and I do appreciate that. So, Megan, your brain is mostly taken up. I'm just going to challenge you to just reflect on this a minute more because I think we can take this a little deeper. So, AT's measurements are in your brain. <laughs> Keep <Okay>. going. Keep going. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean... <laughs> I'm not going to start talking about measurements. I feel like we need to move on. Oh, no, you don't need to talk about measurements. I'm just curious what else is going to come out because we could get a fart jar. We could get a peanut butter cracker. I just wanted to make sure that I was right about the John Malkovich thing because I would, like, be mortified if I was wrong about my useless Hollywood knowledge. (laughs) You're still checking Look at at that. Look at that. Look at him. Look at him in Con Air. Amy's showing us a picture of John Malkovich in okay, Con Air. Just FYI, that doesn't make great radio or no, whatever. No, I'm just this showing is, it to but, you. Okay, I'm showing it to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but no. Well, we, you know, we needed proof. I did. I'm kidding. No, I'm. Uh, no, my banter. I'm put on the back burner for a little bit. I'm kind of in timeout. Okay. She's putting herself in a timeout. Like we are not asking Megan to be in a timeout. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm trying to like tempt I know, Megan seriously. with like a peanut butter cracker. I'm like, here's a peanut butter no. cracker, Megan. What's a what do you what did what did you think about today? What's just one thought you had? <laughs> <laughs> one delicious peanut butter cracker. Tell us something you did in college. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Other than a cruise. Other than my nickname is Frodo. Yeah, actually, I think that is something that listeners would be because. I was very surprised when I met you mm-hmm. that you are fun size. Oh, <laughs> I did not. I did not expect that because you have a big personality and you talk loud. Mm-hmm. I'm very loud. <laughs> so I didn't expect you to be able to fit into a baby Bjorn and let me carry you. I out. actually have gotten that from people in the industry, like not just you, like publishing people, like editors, other authors. They were like, I thought you were really tall. Like, I just assumed you were tall. And I'm like, no, I have, like, a Napoleon complex. So I'm loud. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, five foot is a, you know, that's like an ambition that I never quite got to. Yeah, like, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, in college, it was like, or I'm sorry, when I was in high school, it was like this thing about my friends that they were like, throw me a party when I hit five feet and I never got a party. <laughs> That's like my son the other day without even a trace of irony because he's going through a growth spurt and he's past his dad now because I'm married to like a slight mini, not, you know, over five foot, but five foot five. Yeah. So he's now past... He's past my husband and, you know, he's kind of like, he's at me now. I'm five, six. And then he was like, you know, I'm just, I think I'm just going to try really hard. I'm pretty sure by like the start of eighth grade, I can get to like five, ten. I'm like, well, bud, does he, does he know who his parents are? <laughs> really hard. But I was also like, I don't even know what, like, what are you going to do? Hang upside down like Batman in your bedroom? Right. Like, I just was like, oh, yeah. I mean, well, put your, well, just, you know, that's <laughs> another intention. That's that. another thing I know about San is that. <laughs> His growth plates have not closed, and so he could grow more. So I just want you all to know that. that where also is it? Takes where? Up. All right, all right. Where, you know what? Where? I'm editing this but episode. Wait, 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 wait. Thirteen minutes. Wait, 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 wait. Just up. one sec. Okay, 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 okay. What is a growth plate though? Because I don't like on your head, like know. a baby. I, I think it's in like your. Isn't it in your legs? I don't know. But he's like said it in interviews. He's like, my growth plates aren't closed, and I'm we like, we need to fact check this. I'm looking I know. Right I was like, well, well my is. growth plates apparently closed when I was 12. Okay, so <laughs> growth plates are areas of new bone growth in children and teens made up of cartilage. So they're at the ends of long bones. So essentially, they're like growing tissue. Yeah. So he still has growing yeah. tissue. Okay, okay. I mean, okay. that's what he says. I mean, I don't know. How does he I know? I don't know. Don't ask me. I mean, I didn't. I That is information I don't know. All right. Well, thank you for that <laughs> riveting moment. And... <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I appreciate the friendship and perspectives and differing personalities you bring to this space. Yeah, all of you. And with that, we have a nice segue into what we're talking about today, which is the third in a three-part trilogy because Reply 1997 and Reply 1994 come before this drama. Reply 1988 is by turns hilarious, heartfelt, and bittersweet. And it's an examination into the everyday lives of five families on the same street as they go about their unremarkable or incredibly remarkable lives. This neighborhood of Songmongdong is a narrow alley separated by several houses and duplexes that the viewer is invited to visit for 20 quite long if you're Amy, <laughs> episodes. I feel like this was the drama. You're like, I'm never going to end this Never. I, I, you, like, it took half my life. <laughs> well, this is an amazing drama to experience. It is a bit of a weighty undertaking trying to podcast about it. There are so many well-developed characters, touching moments, plot threads, and then nods to actual historical events and pop culture that really... You know, along with I Hate Nick Cage, someone should go and do an entire podcast series just on this drama. Like, please do. I'll listen. But here's how we're going to tackle this opus. Today, we're going to do a general deep dive discussing aspects of the drama that touched us and characters that gave us feelings of connection. And then in two weeks, we're going to do a special I Have Questions pod where we're going to do some research and touch on aspects of the drama that we knew were important and some of that were just parts of daily life that we didn't quite understand from our Western perspective and so wanted to do some more research. Also, I really want to just acknowledge that this is a drama that many of you listening also love. So if we fail to touch on something that is important or special to you, please know that it's still likely for us too. But we're all very human and we can't do justice to this really special series. So thank you in advance for appreciating our efforts. 
And the fact that we can't, we don't want to make an episode like 14 hours long for anybody. So I really do think I would totally just listen to like a podcast that just like broke down episode by episode. Sure, I totally would. Yep. I mean, message me long enough on Twitter or, you know, Instagram and I'll just freaking do that with you. Okay. so (laughs) Every single episode. So we're going to first start off with the um, non-spoiler section. And this is going to be relatively light because honestly, this really is a drama that anyone who enjoys Korean entertainment should see. And we really don't want you to spoil anything for yourself if you haven't seen it. So just, you know, hang out here and don't go into spoilers if you haven't seen it. You really do want to experience the story. But that being said, let's just get into some non-spoilery discussion. Quick impression. You have one sentence to describe your thoughts on this drama. Please let me live in Sangmondong Alley with all of my besties. I realize mine isn't a sentence. It's a phrase. But a coming of AIDS drama with all the feels. Just put it is at the front (laughs) and you're good to go. (laughs) You don't have a subject or a verb. So that's a totally dependent clause. Amy, I don't know how we're friends, Amy, but I appreciate you. Okay. (laughs) I mean, okay. I don't have, okay. One small nondescript alley in Seoul contains the range and depth of human experience. Hmm. I think that's the best one. Okay. So, you know, watching this, I think this is what's interesting because it's, you know, it's not a historical but it's certainly not modern. And so, yeah, 1988 really truly does feel far away to some degree watching this. And yet, look, we were all alive in 1988. So just for some context, what were each of you up to this year? Can I throw in really quickly? Because to be another, you know, annoying teacher comment here. But so I'm a librarian and I had to get for my job as a school librarian, I had to get a a master's in library science. And one of the things in one of our classes, you talk about what classifies like the different genres of fiction. And we talked about historical fiction, and you're allowed to call anything historical fiction that is 20 years old or older. So like my sit with that everyone I know <laughs> right right everyone so everyone I was talking about this with my students this week actually and I don't remember how it came up but the fact that there are books that we've gotten like this year I ordered some books because I had kids asking about it and we didn't have a lot I ordered some books on 9-11 and kids had asked for fiction books on that and we ordered them and I genrefy my fiction collection in my library and we technically have to put books about 9-11 which is something that I was alive for that I was a teacher for and we put that in historical fiction we are historical fiction yeah I mean I just looked up for a fun fact Harry Potter is historical fiction then because that launched (laughs) well it's fantasy but that's fantasy it's not about a time in history (laughs) that we know of All right. Well, yeah. yeah, So anyway, I just want to throw that out there that if this was a book, it would be considered historical fiction. Cool. Cool. Great. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it. Oh, okay. So look, I was in third and then fourth grade when 1988 hit. And one fun fact I do remember is the Bush and Dukakis election. I mean, I don't know. I was in As most third and fourth graders do. (laughs) But it gets gets worse. It gets worse. Well, we used to watch Peter Jennings at night. We watched, my mom was obsessed. I know I've talked about this on the pod before. We used to watch, and my parents still watch the news every single night. And so, yeah, we would eat dinner and then sit with bowls of Neapolitan ice cream and watch Peter Jennings in the news. And so just really quickly... Bush Dukakis election, 
I was raised in a house that was Republican since it's an interesting transformation I won't get into where my family has like moved on from like switched politics over my life. But at that time, it was, you know, a Reagan Republican household, I would say, with like Bush as the heir apparent. And so as a result, I was that bitch, that little shitty kid who our school did a mock election on election day, like where we got to cast ballots for Bush and Dukakis in my very rural red county <laughs> farm town in Michigan. And I can remember putting my arm in front of the fourth grade class door and being like, who'd you vote for? <laughs> and if they said if they said Bush, I'd let them in. And if they said Dukakis. Caucus, I wouldn't. And then the teacher came and yelled what at me. What a little shit you were. Wow. <laughs> I mean, what a little fucking GOP troll was right. I? Okay. GOP troll. <laughs> but you, you're a recovering GOP yeah, troll. Okay. I mean, I guess I moved on when I was like 11. But <laughs> <laughs> I also remember the California Raisin commercials. <gasps> yes. And there was also like, there was a contest where you could like name a California raisin. And I was like obsessed. I never won, but I was like, Ugh. like I, my mom would send in postcards because I'd come up with names for the California raisins. I remember Soul Olympics, which gets talked out on or in this drama. But I remember Brian Boitano. Do you remember like the Br Battle of the Bryans? Mm -hmm. I can really remember male figure skater mm -hmm. Brian Boitano. Yes. So Lunchables, Lunchables became a thing. They were hot currency at my school. My mom wouldn't buy them because she said they were junky. I wanted them so bad, but I would just get thermoses of like milk that would be hot by lunchtime. <laughs> I do remember from watching all my Peter Jennings evening news, I do remember seeing the Berlin Wall coming down like on TV. Oh, wow. And okay. also I will say that a very special gift I got for Christmas that year was my Santa bear. Like, do you remember that? Like there was like a phase where they were like, and they were just white bears with like a Santa hat. And I wanted a fucking Santa bear with all my heart and soul. And Santa brought me a goddamn Santa bear. And I love that thing. So that was me. <laughs> the Jewish member of the pod has no idea what a Santa bear is. <laughs> it was just a white bear with a Santa hat. It really wasn't special. But that was a thing of the 80s? Like it was a certain kind I of I even Santa looked bear? it up because I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was the winter of 88 that I got my Santa bear. And then I looked it up and like Santa bears were like, yeah, it was a thing. And then also I didn't say this, but that was like the TGIA Friday night, you know, like for TV, like yes. I would be like Mr. Belvedereing it or, you know, like I loved TGI Friday. Wasn't there like the Hogan's and stuff like that? I feel mm, like. I remember Perfect made... Strangers. Oh my God. Oh my God. I yeah. remember Perfect Strangers. I love Strangers. Strangers. It was like the Dance of Joy and like. Balky Bartokamis. Balky Bartokamis. See, how there do you remember go. the Useless. full name? Useless <laughs> information. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Played by Bronson Pinchot. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> like mic drop. <laughs> the ticker tape is like. Yeah, that's really something I want to mic drop is that I remember Bronson Pinchot as Balky Bartokamis. I can't believe you just came out. I mean, I want you on my trivia team. I will say that. She just whipped that out. Holy that's what I'm that's what I'm on trivia teams for is purely for the entertainment. Like we get to the sports stuff and I'm just like, do, do, do. No, like, I don't know. But you know everything else. Yeah. Bronson Pinchot. Is he alive still? I hope so. Yes, he is. Okay. Yes, he is. So in 1988, this is just a little throwback to our uh, Mature Heroes pod, but I was raising my one-year-old son, Lehman Ho, <laughs> as I began my freshman year of high school. <laughs> your, ap your after school special. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, gosh. I was watching the Golden Girls on Saturday nights when I babysat my next-door neighbors, who at the time I thought were so much younger than me because I was like the babysitter, but I realized in later years that the older of the two boys I babysat was only three years younger than me, which is the same age as my ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs>
I sobbed at the movie Beaches, but also laughed my ass off at Eddie Murphy's Coming to America. I was rickrolled before rickrolling was a thing, since this was the year Never Gonna Give You Up blew up. (laughs) Wrigley Field in Chicago, home of the Cubs, got their floodlights and had their first evening game. I have no idea if I was at a game that year, but it's possible. And Leah, I have never, ever eaten a Lunchables, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) So I was five in 1988, and I was really into My Little Ponies, like obsessed and my mom made me a birthday cake where in icing she drew a my little pony on top like props to my mom for doing that for real but when she tried to cut the cake i like lost my mind i screamed and cried because <laughs> i didn't want her to cut the pony i just wanted the cake <laughs> to just sit there uncut and it took a lot of convincing for my mom to actually be able to serve the cake to my family yes i was a horse girl like in like middle school until my parents basically were like, "You're never, we're never buying you a horse because it's too expensive. And then I moved on. But I, I could have been a really good horse girl. You, you could have been great. Yeah. So I was absolutely obsessed with Michael Jackson. I had all his cassette tapes. And Bad came out in 1987. And I wanted to be in his little parking garage gang. Like, I thought he was so bad. <laughs> I loved him so much. I had a big wheel. And I love that thing. I also watched... Knight Rider and MacGyver religiously and like you don't understand I think I actually like obviously not at five when I was a little bit older I had like a serious crush on on Richard Dean Anderson like it was it was uh, him and his mullet I mean he was a good looking dude oh I loved MacGyver so much you have no idea I've actually fun fact never watched MacGyver oh my god I love I, I like I can't I cannot explain how much I love MacGyver. Like, I watched it all the time. I like Quantum Leap, too. Yes, Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula. Yeah, yeah. If- <laughs> it's not going to stop now. Like, it's not going to stop. I feel like all of this... I've never seen this. I've never seen Quantum Leap either. And I feel like all of this clearly aligns with, like, what I like now. Like, is anyone surprised? No, not at all. Not at all. I very much dislike Barbies. I was not into Barbies at all, but... I would only play with them with my cousin. My cousin was very much into Barbies and New Kids on the Block. So the only time I would play with Barbies was with her because I just wanted to wear my Umbros, (laughs) my Umbros shorts. (laughs) I can, I really see you in Umbros. Oh, I had a lot of them. I had Umbros. Who didn't have Umbros in the late 80s? I did not. And then uh, my mom also would not buy Lunchables. And I make up for it by buying my kids Lunchables like a lot. (laughs) Like they I never bought them for my kids lot. either. I never bought for my kids either. <laughs> they like them. And, and uh, I'm not getting on my high horse about food. I just like Lunchables was just never a thing for me. My kids love them. Well, I want to say something that like now that I'm an adult, this doesn't, this logic doesn't hold because I, so I hate cereal and I grew up with cereal and I grew up with Lucky Charms, with Frosted Flakes, with Tricks, you know, whatever, Fruity Loop stuff <laughs> and i remember i wanted fucking blueberries like do you remember like all those like count yeah. chocula and blueberries i'd be like oh yeah, my god i wasn't allowed to i just want blueberries and my mom was like no those are not healthy and i was like i guess so that makes sense and now i look back and i'm like i eat goddamn lucky charms and frosted What's flakes the every lucky day charms but- and blueberries <laughs> Lucky Charms is just straight up marshmallows. <laughs> I know. And my mom's like, they're not even no, real marshmallows. They're just <laughs> chunks of hard sugar. Yeah. So yeah, I love them. This is a question. Yeah. I'm like, how is that the line in the sand? I never ever got freaking blueberries in my life, but I was I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you should buy blueberries now for yourself. I, I well, I honestly, I buy cereal now because my kids eat the shit out of it. But I can't. I love I cereal. It. I hate cereal. I love it. Oh. 
I had cereal for dinner tonight. I've done Ugh. that. I've had cereal for dinner. Not tonight, though. Well, I won't yuck your yum. Enjoy your cereal. I do. Okay. So, <laughs> actually, in looking for something else that we're going to be talking about a little bit later in the pod, I was on Reddit. And I saw, actually, a comment that I wanted to bring up here. And so, it was a person who self-identified as Korean. And they shared that, to them, this was a really special drama. But they were curious about why it was also so popular with Western audiences. Because they thought it was, quote, culturally specific. So that was their words. So as three Americans, like, what do you feel like um, one universal theme in the drama is that you connected with? So that being said, I'll just answer my own question first, because I can. So I feel like something that I connected to in this drama, I connected with many things, but narrowing it down is like that really powerful and strange nature of sibling relationships. Because in the drama, sibling relationships are really important. Like friendships can come and go, but you know, you are often stuck with siblings. And I feel like it can be really like one of the longest relationships a person can have in their life. And I mean, I know, especially in dealing with my siblings, like, you can't get away with being fake or phony with siblings. Like every once in a while, like one of us will try like not so much anymore because we're beyond it. But like younger, we'd like try to flex. And like, there's no one that comes for you faster to shut your shit down. Than, like a sibling who's like, no, you're bullshit. <laughs> You know, you grow up in the same environment, you have the same parents, you have the same common memories and experiences, and like you are who you are because of all that shared history. And so I felt like that was something that like we kind of circled through with almost all of the characters and even, you know, Tech, who's a only child becomes, you know, in some ways like siblings with some of the other children. And I feel like, yeah, I just thought that that was a really special part that really felt universal. Yeah, I feel like even though I grew up with a brother rather than a sister, I related a lot to Duxon and Bora's dynamic, like always pushing each other's buttons. We we were only, well, we still are only 15 months apart. So that's really close in age to be, but we were in different grades, but we were close enough that like we were going through the same things, you know, in life at the same time. And yeah, just like big time button pushers with each other. What also resonated with me was a sort of yearning for what they had. And I'm talking about like all of the families in general, like my friends and I, when we were growing up, we used to daydream about having kids at the same time and being neighbors. And of course that didn't happen. My friends who I grew up with, like we're all spread out all over the place. And while some of us do have kids the same age and we're still friends with each other, obviously there's like that distance between us. We didn't raise them on a communal alley where we all help each other and feed each other and love each other. And I just really envied that part of the drama. So I totally get how a someone would think this is culturally specific because I think it is. There are a lot of themes in this drama to me that are definitely specific to Korea and then also Korea at that time. But then on the other hand, I do think at its heart, the drama is universal in regards to the relationships among the characters. So I most related to the Ajumas of the alley who could vent about their annoying husbands, joke about their bickering kids, and also be there for each other in times of crisis. I have a core squad of college friends, and our group texts are, you know, usually just memes or pictures of our kids or just like little news about our families. But I know that in a heartbeat, I could send out an SOS and they'd all be there for me. And I really wish we all lived together in a tiny alley. Like, I do think that that was obviously really unique to Korea and the time because now too, like we all work, you know, like, (laughs) and uh, so even if we did live in a little alley together, we'd be like ships passing in the night, I think. But yeah, I, so thank God for smartphones. But again, it was, it was that, it was that really understand like I I think there's kind of almost like nothing like older women who understand each other 
Like we've been through a lot. We get it. We can talk about menopause, you know. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I really love that part. And then, okay, so at the end of the drama, and don't worry, this actually isn't a spoiler. One of the characters says something to the effect of, like, why didn't we know how much fun we were having back in the day? And another character answers with, if we had known that back in the day, we would have been adults. So how does this conversation capture the nostalgic tone that pervades this drama? Amy. This really got me. Because how many times have any of us said, if I knew then what I know now, you know, at any points in our life, looking back on, you know, when we were kind of maybe going through a struggle or, you know, going through something that we should have appreciated more. But that's the thing. You don't have the wisdom when you're young and you're in such a hurry to grow up. God, I was in such a freaking hurry to grow up and not be a kid anymore that you don't realize you might be emotionally missing out on one of the best parts or best times of your life. And I don't want to repeat any time in my life. Like, I'm happy where I am now. I'm happy with the life I've lived, you know, thus far. And I'm, you know, looking forward to whatever comes next. But I do wish I had appreciated certain eras of growing up when I was actually in it. Hmm. There are so many times I say to my son, I'm like, live in the present. Yes. Because he's always like, what's next? What's next? What's next? What are we doing this weekend? I'm like, live in the present because that's one thing same i was like oh i was in such a hurry to grow up yeah i mean i think every kid is to some degree although i will be lately my daughter's been having this moment of being like i, she, I think she's aware because she's like not quite hit puberty but like on the cusp and some friends have and she started to say things like that are really profound of like i kind of just want to keep being like she knows her childhood's almost over basically And she's like self-aware enough to realize that. And she's trying to like retain aspects of that childhood, even as she's like starting to like have crushes on, you know, K-pop idols and like FaceTiming with friends about gossip. Like she's still trying to like intentionally keep parts of her childhood. And I don't know, that kind of like guts me a bit. So, okay, there are so many deep pondering moments in this drama. Megan, what's a character reflection that you'd like to touch on? So this was one of my favorite episodes, or I guess my favorite kind of, I think each episode, one thing I did like about this drama is it's, it's kind of a little episodic. And I felt like each episode had a little bit of a life lesson, but it didn't feel over the head. It felt really woven in and just deftly handled. So in episode 13, Bo Ra, who is the older sister of Duck Sun, who's kind of, you know, the main character, says... When I was young, Superman lived at my house. He was a MacGyver type of guy. <laughs> See, MacGyver. <laughs> he was a MacGyver type of guy who could fix anything in the world. He was the Janga who'd appear out of nowhere to fix every sort of problem. He was the hero of all heroes who had no weakness. However, I came to know the truth after growing out of my childhood. He was just not discovered, but even Superman was human. We don't know how many dirty, petty, unfair, sad, scary, or difficult worlds have passed dad by. And only now I realize no matter how dirty, petty unfair sad scary or difficult the reason he endured was because he had people to protect it's because he had a family and he had me because he had to live the world by the name dad and not another end quote and that episode really stuck with me when i was young i most certainly thought that my parents lives just completely revolved around me and my brother Mm -hmm. like they didn't have any other identity it was only about me (laughs) um i thought my mother knew everything i thought my dad could do everything and now that i'm a parent i realized that they were just human and they were just navigating parenting the best way they knew how and they were likely winging it (laughs) Um, When my mom would make a decision about something, I thought it was because she knew something I didn't. Like, I thought she had some, like, crazy mom foresight or whatever. But now we, her and I will often have conversations about, 
you know, decisions she made uh, when I was a kid. And she tells me now, like she said, I, I second guessed every decision I made. And it, she said it wasn't easy for me and I didn't have all the right answers. And so, you know, I'm grateful to have parents that were like Superman in my eyes. And it's a weird realization that they were human, just like me. But it is helping me put my own parenting in perspective. You know, I mean, I hope my kids think I know they don't think I know everything because I'm always like, they're always like, you say you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, because I don't know. But um, I just really, I just so related to that entire realization that Bora had because I think that is something you realize as you mature. And I do think that was a turning point in her life. And it was kind of a turning point in my life, too, when I was kind of like, oh, my parents are are human, just like me. Yeah. And I feel that way, too. And sometimes, I don't know, I think I admit to my kids maybe more than my parents did. Although, I mean, like, I don't want to give them a crisis of confidence that the ship has no captain. (laughs) Right. I think I do, too. I'm like, look, I can't, I'm not, uh, you know... A genius. I can't always like fix. I mean, I I think so too. I think I admit my weaknesses more than my parents did. Okay, so look in this drama. I think there is a really powerful quote that happens. And again, this isn't a spoiler. I'm going to give it out of context. But there's a character who has this realization, and the quote is translated, but goes something like this: In the end, fate and timing do not just happen out of coincidence. They are products of earnest, simple choices that make up miraculous moments. Being resolute, making decisions without hesitation, that is what makes timing. So how has this idea played true in your own life? And why does it rip my own throat out to read it again? I know, because you know. So, I mean, I'm going to just preface this by saying, you know, I know I'm not old. Like maybe to some I am. Like when I was telling my daughter how I was going to Epic High, and she's like, aren't those like the old guys? I'm like, you mean like... (laughs) The 40-year-old musicians, yes, old for this earth. But, you know, I know in reality, like, you know, someday I'll look back and be like, I wasn't old, but, you know, whatever. But I feel Mm -hmm. like as I've aged and COVID probably too, like I do think I have become more reflective on where I've been, what paths I've traveled, what choices I've made that's led me to where I am now and the roads I didn't walk. So I like, you know, shut the door on lives I never had. And so every day we just like we make these choices and most of them are these small, quiet decisions. But that's like ultimately like what makes our life. And that's just something that's so just totally beautiful. And even though I am like this sarcastic, prickly asshole who doesn't like to hug anyone but my children, I do feel like I get teary. And like even when I was typing this today, like I got a choked up throat just like writing down this quote. Which is why I'm so mad that you just made me relive that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that quote does, it guts me in the sense that I know what it means in the drama, but it also guts me because I don't look back on, I don't think anything I've done with regret, but I do realize moments in my time where I made, you know, maybe one choice over another or where I didn't act and I wish that I had acted. And I feel like two of those times like kind of combined with each other like there was and this is something super simple but like my junior year of college I studied abroad in Scotland and that was a really cool decision that I made and I'm glad that I did but I had a huge crush on a guy when I was there another American guy and like 
we were friends, but I never fessed up to this crush. And I never, you know, knew what would have happened if I would have, you know, told him. And I was 20. So whatever, like probably nothing would have come of it, especially since we were both, you know, in another country and lived in different states and whatever. So long story short, unrequited love, you know, on my part and never, you know, never confessed. And then fast forward, not quite 20 years later, and I decide that I am going to try my hand at writing for there are various things that like pushed me into, you know, writing fiction. And I'd never tried it before my early to mid 30s. And it had to do with the school that I worked at at the time. And I was, you know, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna try, I'm just gonna try writing a chapter of a book for this like writing contest thing. And I did. And that one chapter turned into an entire book. And that entire book did not get published. But I wrote an entire book. And it was not the book of my heart. And then I realized that's what I had to write was the book of my heart. And so I took that unrequited crush that I had when I was a junior in college. And I wrote my first romance novel. And that was the first romance novel of mine that got published. And it totally changed the trajectory of my life. I don't think that I would Aww, be here doing this, this podcast. Really amazing. Yeah. And I don't think I would be here doing this podcast, you know, if I wasn't a romance writer now, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what led me to appreciate the genre, to appreciate the crafting of this kind of story. And yeah, so, you know, I, I took one of those moments that I felt like I should have had more agency and didn't. And I turned it into something that sends me royalties. (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, I mean, this quote kills me too. One thing that 1988 drills home is that time just passes, like no matter whether we like it or not, and we can't get back time that is lost. And so what decisions have we made to get the most out of our time? And I didn't see this as like a sad element of the drama, but more of a reflective one. So it actually made me, instead of looking back at all the ways timing has not gone my way, I've really been thinking of all the ways that it went right. Because I've kind of always considered myself unlucky. I don't win chance games or bingo or whatever. But maybe that's because, you know, my timing in my life often has worked out in my favor, or at least it seems so. But then on the second hand, like, would I know if my timing Mm -hmm. hadn't worked out, you know? So it's just a lot of thought, but but nothing about the drama made me regret. It just made me reflect and think and actually kind of left me with like a, almost like a happy melancholy. Is that an oxymoron? But no, I can hang with that. What I like about the quote, even though it does gut me a little bit because I know, you know, what it means in the context of the drama, but like in general... I love that sort of explanation of fate, that fate isn't something that is out of your control. It has to do with the choices that you make and the timing of those choices that you make. That it's not just making the right choice, right or wrong. It's it's making a choice at the time of impact, I guess you would say, right? Because whether it's a right right choice or a wrong choice, it's a matter of when do you make that choice. And that's also kind of a sum of choices. Yes, that too. It's what leads you to that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a series of choices. Because the character who says this, there was a series of choices. Yep, 100%. That were made. Now we're going to get to our favorite part of the week. And today we have Leah with a K-pop. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to get to make a recommendation because I never have, I don't think. (laughs) <laughs> well you can more, i know i don't I, need to monopolize but i'm really it. excited today Good. okay so i'm gonna recommend bts i know it's not a surprise i am <laughs> pleased that megan you have become a little you've opened your heart up more to bts i have and i applaud it because look i don't mm-hmm. think bts is basic 
<laughs> no. No. Okay. So today, what I want to recommend as our K-pop rec is the song Friends, which is from the last album, Map of the Soul 7. And it's performed by V or Taehyung and his BFF for life, Jimin. And it's like this poppy, fun song. It's got like a calypso beat. And they're really just like kind of singing about their like ride or die relationship and how it's evolved from, you know, their youth of when they were young trainees together to the present day. And then their hopes to like continue this on as good buddies, like even after their like idle days are done. So it's fun. It's nice to listen to. But one of the other reasons besides just the idea that it's friendship and we're talking about friendship today is there's a moment in the song where V whispers in his like voice hey Jimin today and then he makes that drinking mouth pop sound that the dad in reply 1988 does like three million times in the episode (laughs) or in the drama you know he's always like talking about like having a drink with his buddies and like making that pop and so I just had to like wreck this song for reply 1988 because like when I heard that I'm like I will always think of reply 1988 whenever I hear that sound now so he doesn't make a goat sound no he doesn't make you know he's always like you know want to drink and he's like I can't do it like the yeah. I can't do it either. <laughs> he he like the actor nailed that. Yeah, nail and V does in the song. And I cannot I've like tried to be mm-hmm. doing it. It's like mm-hmm. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Well. Cuz it's like not just clicking your tongue. It like resonates in a different way. Right. So anyway, I recommend it. Friends from BTS. It gives me happy Reply 1988 vibes. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank. At least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoona Delight Podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. Okay, so we're now going to move into the spoiler section. If you have not seen Reply 1988 and we have not convinced you, still go watch it. And <laughs> because like, just do. Just do it. Okay. Quit arguing with us. And then welcome if you have seen it. We're now going to talk about more things specific to the drama. So what is one image, just one, related to this drama that like pops in your head when you think of Reply 1988? Like if I say Reply 1988, some visual comes into your head. Well, it's because of the question you asked us right before the <laughs> the K-pop wreck. And for me, it's Jung Wan in the car getting every red light on the <laughs> way to rescue Duck Sun at the concert. Oh, God. I know. I know. So let's all just take a moment. (laughs) He sits in the car and it's raining. And he's like, why am I getting every red light? So I've seen this drama twice. And the first time 
I truly didn't know that Junkwon was not Endgame. I missed all the all the tech cues, and there's many tech cues. I was not seeing it. And so in the red light thing, I even I think my heart started to really be like, uh, oh, <laughs> but I didn't fully, I didn't fully even get it until he gets to the end. And then you see like tech run up and just like be out of breath with Duxon. And I was just like, holy shit. What? Yeah, I You're still. Like, holy shit. This drama is not going the way I thought I it was going still to. thought, even when he was in the car, I still yeah. thought that he was going to make it. I, I was did like, too. this is just the buildup. Like, he's going to make yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I didn't even realize. Yeah, no, I fully didn't. I don't think I fully realized and appreciated the first time. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later how structurally they were making such a case for tech, but. I was just so blown away by yes you yeah you will talk about that because it's done so well Ugh. so for me I don't know why this popped in my head <laughs> but I really do love it so I'm going with it which is when they made the ice snowman because like she was like it's Christmas I want Santa to bring me a snowman and like there was no snow and all the grown-ups like the kid goes to bed like happily have made their requests and the grown-ups are all like what the fuck do we do <laughs> and they like get ice and like carve this amazing snowman and then it like is really warm the snowman melts into a puddle right? yeah into a puddle so she wakes up the next morning or you know they're all like the next morning like what do we do oh my god and i just like it felt so relatable as a parent like you want to make your kids like dream like you want to give them these idyllic experiences and in this one i loved it because sun Wu comes out and he's like no, it's a yeah, it's just ice an ice cream. cream. Just like go down on the corner store and buy the ice cream, and then you see you eating it later. Like happy Santa brought me this ice cream, even though they spent the whole yeah. night. But it was still special because the, they, as a collective parents, they all had that experience, even though the kids oh. never got it. I love. Yeah, it. it's just it, was really it felt it. very relatable as a parent in so many levels. Honestly, one of the first things that popped in my head was just Duck Sun and her pink mm. mittens because I just love that whole storyline. How Techie just wanted to buy her a present, and then he got his father the pink mittens. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm sorry, Techie was asking her what present to buy his father and she misunderstood. <laughs> she was like, pink mittens are great. And I love that his father still wore the freaking pink mittens. <laughs> of course he so did. Cute. And then the whole thing where both Techie and Junwan bought her the mittens or gloves or whatever. So I really loved, I lo and how she was so happy when she put them on. And I do remember Angora was like a huge thing. Yeah. Like, do you remember... Yes. Because those were like Angora mittens. Do you remember Super how? Super fuzzy. Like I had oh, an Angora were... sweater. Like I loved it. Yeah, I had an Angora sweater too. It was like a whole thing back then. And you would like so. shed all over the place when you wore Angora. Shed everywhere. <laughs> it was worse than a cat. So what was the best scene in this drama? <laughs> <laughs> and why was it Boner Alley? <laughs> <laughs> but for real, okay, look, I do, We before we begin, I do really want you to answer yeah. like a scene that sticks in your heart. But I do. I just need a minute to unpack with no, you. No, take Boner take Alley. the minute. But you start. No, we you, have yeah. to talk about Boner Alley because we we have to. So please. Okay. So the setup to Boner Alley. I believe this is episode <laughs> three, and they're it's really early on yeah. the. Yeah, they're on the school early. field trip, I believe, and there's like mm -hmm. you know alcohol that's been stolen hijinks are happening running is happening they're getting chased because the boys the were dean. singing at the girls talent yeah show. yeah being and the dean is yes chasing. yeah and the dean who, who is, is one of their fathers <laughs> yes <laughs> and so somehow in like the chaos we see jung Hwan and duck son get separated and like cold from the herd and they end up in this like very very narrow alley pressed together no they don't stand side by side because this is a fucking k-drama and we need to have what happens next which 
is also amazing for a key drama, which is they are young. They are pressed Mm -hmm. very, very, very close together. And we see this entire moment of awareness for Zhang Huan, where he starts to realize that he's pressed up tight to a very cute girl, (laughs) albeit a girl he's known his whole life. And you can see that he's just getting a big old boner (laughs) and he is hating (laughs) life itself. Yeah. He's like, holy shit, what on earth? And she's pretty clueless. Like, I don't think she's She's, like an ingenue, but she like she gets that there's like something going on, but she's confused as to what's happening. So you see confusion and like a little bit like there's like something like that, like beginning current of like, you know, there's something and you just see him in like full like think of my grandma taking a bath. Holy shit, what's happening? Yeah, he's like eyes to the sky, baseball stats, <laughs> like trying to think of anything to like lose this boner. And I remember like Leah hadn't like mentioned this at all to me. It's not like she was like wait till you get to this one scene and like you know what I mean? And so I got to the scene and I lost it. And I remember I messaged Leah and I was like, "Did a K-drama really?" just acknowledge boners is that what is that what i just saw and leah's like oh my god you got to that scene and then she's like losing it because i'm like this is the best scene ever he has a boner (laughs) we're like being all sweet and nostalgic and i'm like and there's boners but it was like it was was so cute it was so true to like the awkwardness of being a teen Uh and starting to see like all of them starting to see duckson as a girl rather than just like one of the gang, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Especially for Jung Wan, because this was a cat. This was his catalyst, essentially. Yeah. And I just felt like it was done right. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It didn't, they didn't make it crude. I just really loved how it was done. I thought the acting of Rio Junior is just, I mean, truly incredible. You can see just from his facial, like there's really not a lot of physical acting of their bodies because they're like pressed together in this alley and it all plays out on his face i mean it's fantastic it's so good it is it is really well done like you just see his realization and then see him yeah trying to do anything but what's happening boner alley is my favorite it's yeah, i think it's my favorite scene of, of the whole drama i'm sorry it's just I, like i just love it so much yeah so besides that amy what else you got Besides Boner Alley, I mean, because that is that is amazing. So Boner Alley happens really early on, but then we have so much pining like throughout all of the drama. And what I loved is when Jung Bong got the first kiss, the major first yeah. major kiss of the drama, <laughs> the dark horse of forward, the whole drama. Yeah, like flash forward to many episodes later, and then another one that stands out to me, and I know we'll talk about the flash forwards later, but like I found this really funny. And this sticks out to me still in the flash forwards. Like, there's the running joke of Noel, like, looking so much older than he should. And it's because the actor who plays him is 10 years older, I think, or 11 years older than Duck's son in real life. But, and it's a running joke. And when they flash forward to everybody as adults, the actor who plays Noel is, like, 75 years old, ain't he? <laughs> and he comes in in a baseball uniform. Like... I don't know why. I don't know. I, they did. They've done this in the other reply to like where like they like having just like someone young being old. And I don't know why like the show runner thinks this is like the most hilarious thing to do. I, but I laughed though. It, it, I laughed that they I laughed that they leaned into the joke. But I, I didn't realize that it was a because this is the only reply I've seen so far. I didn't realize it was a joke that they've been leaning into for like three. They can't get over it. Three series. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then and then I mean, the like, other thing that stuck out. I mean, I, I still I cannot get over text smile. Like whenever text smiled, because it was hard to pull a smile out of him. And when he did, I was like, oh my god, that's what Pac Bogum looks like when he smiles. Like that is like rainbows and unicorns and everything wonderful in the world. Really, truly, I would tie that boy's shoe. <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh, that I didn't mean it dirty either. Oh my god! Tie that shoe. That's how the I was like, wait, that's a new euphemism for me. I'm gonna tie that shoe. Oh my god! No, I'm not that bad. Okay, but that being said, no one's gonna believe that I wasn't intentionally being gross because look, I do need to right. talk about the chair grab kiss because when oh, it happened, I I lost my breath. It was just like we climbed Lonely Mountain. <laughs> we climbed Longing. Oh, I know. And I just felt like it delivered everything that I needed in a romance. And I have to say, like, I really enjoyed this drama even more on the second watch. But in the first time, I really, I loved Jung Hwan with all my heart and really had thought he was endgame for so long. And it's a testament to how amazing Techie is and, like, how great Pak Bo Gum plays him that... I was kind of like, I'm really sad and I'm like so stoked that this is now happening. And just like how he just like hurls himself forward. Like he has been waiting for this moment all his life. (laughs) (laughs) What song is that, Amy? Uh, The I've been waiting for this moment. It's Phil Collins, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, my life. I'm not. Whoa. You can you can bust out all the Phil Collins trivia you want. I'm not going there. I'm pretty sure it is Phil Collins, but that's yeah. I feel like I've been yes, waiting moment, moment for all my life. life. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's Phil yeah. Collins. So anyway, that was Techie going in in China for finally getting that sweet sweet kiss. Well, I mean, like he had the kiss before, but like really, like going. For but it. he didn't know that it was real. Exactly. That was when he found out that it was that and, it wasn't his dream. And that's when the reader or the viewer did too. Oh, right. and that that was when I mean, I still was holding out for Jung Wan at that point, even when she said that it was in, when they when they're adults and they're being interviewed and talking about when they had their first kiss, and she's like, "Well, that was in Beijing, right?" Because that's you know they're having the the dispute over when the first kiss mm-hmm. was. And then they flash, you know, to them going to Beijing for the for the Go Game tournament. And I was like, well, Jung Wan's going to show up in Beijing. <laughs> like, I was Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, like you said, like, when he kissed her, I was sad but happy. Because you can't not love Tech and Duck Sun. But mm-hmm. when for so long I thought it was going to be Jung Wan and Duck Sun, it was emotional. The best scene in the drama is Boner Alley. So <laughs> I just want to make sure we all know that. Second, I think I mentioned this in the podcast before, but I did see a stupid spoiler. All I was doing was looking up Harry and I was reading an article about my roommate is a Gumio and I didn't think that they were going to throw a 1988 spoiler in there. So I knew that Techie was Endgame shortly after Boner Alley. Oh, mm hmm. But you told me you were happy. That's when I was like, who did this to you? <laughs> yeah, I was okay with it. So, so the thing is, I did know Techie was endgame. So I was like really into him because of that. I like kind of, I like knowing who to root for. I don't love pain like Leah. <laughs> I just need to say when the scene where they go, they get, they have like the food coupons and they go out to dinner first, like steak. Mm-hmm. And Pakbo Gum walks in with a freaking hat on. I lost, I lost my shit. I lost my shit. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Pakbo gum in a baseball hat is a whole It is. New it game. hits differently. And a turtleneck. 
He had a turtleneck with that. I was like, my God. So, I, I mean, that was, look, I'm saying that was a favorite scene just because I was a little, I was a little taken aback. Okay? Just a little taken aback. So, look, we asked the Patreon a little bit about, like, what are some things that they wanted to bring up? And there were lots of great questions, but I think a lot are going to be good for, like, the next podcast. But one that stuck out to me was there was a little bit of a debate over Duxon's agency in Reply 1988. So I view her as being at the apex of one of the best love triangles in K-drama. And so, you know, Megan, Amy, do you think she actively makes a choice in deciding who she likes? Or does she kind of wait to just, like, be chosen? This was tough. I think this is a good debate because I mean Jung Wan never truly made a move, right? He wanted to. He waited. Timing was a bitch, as was his, you know, when he made his decisions. And she waited for him to make a move. So I don't know if we'll ever know if he was more than a crush for her because nothing ever came to fruition. But that being said, you could see her actively falling for tech before he made a move. Like, she was always there from him, making sure he ate, making sure he slept, going to his matches long before he confessed to her. So I think she did have agency there. And she did try to pull a move out of Jung Wan with the pink shirt, with waking up early to go to school when he went to school. And I feel like this was also a time, and we're, we're talking about a totally different culture here, so I can't, you know, I'm looking at it through a Western lens. But back in the 80s, like, I was not forward enough to just, like, go and tell a boy that I liked him. I was not confident enough when I was a teenager to do that. I had to like, you know, like go through his friends and like, does he like me or get my friends to ask his friends or like wait for him to call me, like all that stuff. So I totally get her not just saying, you know, even when she's sitting on the bed next to him saying, should I go on this blind date? Like she's trying oh, trying to trick him into confessing. Should I go mm-hmm. on this blind date? And her friends are telling her like, we can tell like he is into you. But it blew up in her face the first time that that happened. And so I get her not wanting to just confess. So I don't know. This is a tough one for me because she doesn't confess to either Tech or Jung Wan before they confess to her. So even when she does, you know, give her feelings to Tech, it's after he has made it clear with that sleep kiss and then (laughs) the real kiss, you know, that, that he loves her. So... I don't know. I don't know if I can answer this. Like, I think that she had as much agency as you would expect from a teenage girl in 1988. But on the same token, I can constantly think about this drama and wonder what would have happened if Jung Wan would have gotten to the concert first. I will never stop thinking about that. Right. I mean, I think she still made decisions like regarding the sleep kiss. Like, she still made a decision there. And I think at the time in her life, that was the right decision to pretend like it didn't happen. You know, I think Duck Sun had a lot of agency just in her life in general. Like, I think she, not just in relation to the romance is what I'm trying to say. But I think in the romance, she did. I, I mean, I, I think to go along with what Amy says, it makes sense to me as a teenage girl. Again, in like 1988. It would make, it makes sense that she would have, you know, crushes on several guys that, that she grew up with. And that she she worked through them. And I forget, she had a conversation. With, was it her friends or her sister? I forget. But she has a conversation with someone else how they were like, you know, you don't have to wait for someone to like you. You can like someone first. And that's okay. And, you know, because I think all along she was like, well, I'll like who likes me. You know what I mean? And even with Take's confession, it was still her decision to to pursue him back. And, you know, she could have confessed to Jung Won. She could have. 
Yeah, I do. I was going to say, I do think there's a little bit, you know, it was like with Sun Wu, her friends were like, he totally likes you. And so all of a sudden she crushed on him. And then with Jung Wan, her friends were like, well, he totally likes you. So she totally crushed on him too. So she was influenced with both of those guys by Mm -hmm. her friends kind of planting that idea. Whereas tech is the one where it evolved naturally. And I do want to say that for the kiss, like she held back that night, like everyone left and she like stuck around. She did. And then, like, when we see how the kiss happened, too, like, they both lay there with their eyes open for a little bit, too. It's not like, yeah, I think, you know, she was, it's muddled. And I, what I like about it is that it's very relatable to be so muddled and to, like, like people. And you can like people at the same time. Like, you know, liking is not linear. <laughs> I guess that's my take home is, you know, I've liked more than one guy before and had different feelings for different people at different times, like, you know, especially young. And so that just felt so normal to me. So Leah, you found online a compelling analysis of how Baduk actually provides a structure to the main love story. Can you summarize? Yeah. So look, I didn't come up with any of this, <laughs> but I did read it after. And I want to summarize like a few key points because I've played some online Baduk, but I am not like a Go expert by any stretch. However, when I saw this, I thought it was compelling enough to like just like share a few bits of this analysis. And so I don't even know who wrote up this analysis. It's been like passed around through like social media and I cannot find the original author. So I'm not going to like really directly quote a lot of it because I don't want to be like plagiarizing someone and not giving them credit. And I do think it's a really amazing analysis. But essentially, somebody drew a pretty compelling parallel to how structurally the drama of Reply 1988 is structured as a general metaphor for how Go is played. And so here's a couple of things that I think really like stood out to me. I'm not going to like rehash all of it, but there's a couple key points that I think are interesting. One is that the player who will have the advantage, like if a player is more skilled, they're going to have, they're going to seed the board and give like a points advantage to the person who's like less experienced. And it's usually like 6.5 is like what's seen to be like, they're called like zips or homes of like, you know, points on the board. I'm not explaining this very well, but essentially like you're giving it an advantage. And if you look structurally at how the show works, we don't really see tech enter the picture as a player, like a romantic threat to Jung Hwan until episode six. So essentially we see right away that like we're giving Jung Won a lot of time on the board here to like get his shit together. And it's just like his, you know what I mean? Like he's getting some advantages. And then something else that I saw that was really interesting is there's this idea that in Go, there's something called Bhakti. And Bhakti is when, you know, the loser at the end of a game of a Go game kind of reflects on how the game went. It's like their moment to be like recognized in the game. And we saw this play out in the drama a few times when like tech would win and then we'd see like the loser getting the microphone and talking and things like that. And so they have this time to like be reflective on the game to talk about like where their personal shortcomings happened and where things like where they lost their advantage in certain areas. And so I've also seen that really what we're seeing in this drama is this whole drama is Zhang Huan's Bakki. So he is like having this opportunity where like he gets to explore where his game went wrong and like where he made choices and strategy mistakes. And at the end of the day, Tech was a stronger player. And it wasn't that they were competing in a nasty way because they truly were not, but they were both making these little everyday decisions. And at the end of the day, we do finally see Zhang Huan has at the end of like kind of like the red lights and everything has happened of being like, 
all these small little choices that I've made as I've like played at this game of love, like it, I lost. And this is why. And I think that that is a really nice analogy that happens and has like a really beautiful metaphor with that. I love that because he really does have, I mean, he's got like a 10 minute scene, it, it seems like where he like reflects on everything that didn't go in his favor. And all the decisions he made that made it that Yeah. Way. And then the other like last point that I saw was that I guess in Go, like what you're trying to do is like, I didn't really realize it was this idea of building a home, but I guess that's kind of what the term is meant to be like, but you're kind of like encapsulating areas and building these homes. And so in many ways we're seeing like tech building out like a very lonely boy and or like not an orphan, but you know, a motherless child kind of like building mm. out his home and how he's like known to be like such a long game player. And that was his reputation in the whole drama as he's like competitively playing is that he's got like this tenacity to just kind of hang in and go the distance. And so his strategy and how he plays the game of go also mirrors how he was ultimately quite successful in the game of love and wins the girl i love that. that's awesome it's, yeah it's so cool yeah i think it's really cool and then okay we do have to talk about something that didn't happen <laughs> and thank god it didn't because if it did i think it would have broke k-drama <laughs> mm-hmm. basically let me just cut to the chase is that i found like pretty compelling evidence and it's been chattered a lot online that at the end of this drama jong Huan was meant to die and i've seen that the setup was you know he was a fighter pilot and something was going to happen where like his plane malfunctioned and you know he was like going to make a landing somewhere that was populated in order to save lives he like did the noble thing and like ends up dying so things like the confession scene where he brings his fiance, so-called fiance ring, the flight school ring, and makes like a joking confession to Duck's son. I saw that that was kind of meant to be like him having a flash in his mind of like what he wished he had done. And they redid it. And then later, we really see his mom going through it with menopause in a way that like, look, no shade to like how her journey through menopause went, but it feels very totally dismal. Like her sitting in the dark with like extremely light dramatic. falling extremely over her dramatic. face. Right. And so I guess what happened is they like, they went ahead with like him dying and people were like, what the fuck? Like you can't kill John. So they were like, well shit, like we shot it. So they like went back and like <laughs> reshot like a couple little bits to like, make him not dead however like his mom like mourning him in sadness they're like oh menopause okay and then like at the end it was meant to be like his empty chair at like the wedding because they're always going to keep a place for him we really don't see him in the final episode because he's meant to be fucking dead and so like he just kind of like jingles off there so i mean like i guess in some ways he's like this is why in the past i've made this reference and i never could name him by name because i didn't want to spoil it he is the ultimate vehicle for a second male lead sos fantasy story because like yeah they decided well we can't fucking kill him but we're not going to give him any kind of wrap-up story so he just kind of like yeah hangs off like a dingleberry at the end of the drama (laughs) dingleberry he does need and he needs an sos yeah i mean maybe even like the three of us each writing one for him or something but like i really i'm down like the boy need yeah i mean maybe that's what we should do as part of this like montage of reply 1988 is like we all do an sms second male lead for him i just if he died i I don't even i don't even know what to say so mainly because there's just no reason to kill him and then duck's son would have had the decision taken like i feel like that would have lessened her her agency agency. yeah for sure however i would have been on board for a pearl harbor 
movie romance where she thinks her boyfriend dies she starts a romance with some other hot soldier but then her boyfriend reappears live and well so like a kate beckinsale ben affleck and josh hartnett love triangle would have been down for that (laughs) that was a good one that was a good one that was a good one but i i mean honestly if he would have died i i might have quit k-dramas like that's how much that would have yeah i mean i felt fucked up when i read it and it didn't happen yeah (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like when you told me and then in my mind, I'm going back and seeing the wedding with an empty chair. And I'm like, no, no. Like I was I was enough of a mess at the end, emotionally, at the end of this drama without killing off, you know, one of our heroes. And yeah, I think I think that's a lazy way to cure a love triangle, too, Mm -hmm. is to just kill one of them off. I would. Yep. Nope. So thank you. Thank you, writers, for listening to, I, I don't know if it was your test audience or whatever, but thank you. You made the right move. Absolutely. I don't think the drama would have been as beloved. I think it just would have made a lot of people I think people mad. would have just been fucking pissed. So, look, I just need to skip ahead and just get this off my chest because we just got okay. to some sadness. Can we just take one moment to discuss Noteul's jacked as fuck body that, like, had no, no, <laughs> no rhyme or reason for that much skin that was amazing it was just like a throwaway like 10 seconds of the drama him just taking off his shirt and (laughs) how was that under there the whole time and they didn't show us they just had him sitting in front of a tv his whole life and then all of a sudden he suddenly jacked and there's no like nobody stops there's no comment he's just casually because we've seen the other characters without their shirts on too like I feel like when it comes to like that. I feel like when it comes to like needing a PowerPoint explanation for something that happens this. in a drama, we need one for Noel's. I need it spelled yes. out <laughs> why Noel <laughs> was jacked when all we saw was him sitting in front of the TV the whole drama. Okay. So look, I think that we're gonna wrap up here. We'll do like one last question and then I think next pod when we do the I have questions, we're gonna bring up a couple of things um more about friendships and some of the adult side of things that we didn't touch on and some of the secondary romances because we haven't even like touched on that. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Somebody like just do a whole like podcast series. Right. There's too much. There's too much to talk right. about. So but right. what is a quibble that you need to get off your chest? And okay, I'm just gonna barge out with mine because i know it's controversial and i've debated this during like lengthy instagram <laughs> debates with people of course yeah. you did <laughs> um but i feel like there is a massive disconnect between modern tech and actual tech and i understand that people change and evolve and like you're not always like you know a winsome child getting your shoes tied and later on as like the drama went on he kind of plays it a little more like maybe slightly but like honestly i get that they were trying to like make you think it was jung Wan or whatever but just it it's not for me it wasn't for me no i hated it actually like i flat out hated it first of all i don't like being like manipulated to make me think that it might be jung Wan, but he was not take like i'm sorry take is who he is and i actually do not think take will change much sorry because i think he is very strongly who he is and he is going to stay that way so it's actually a huge quibble for me i actually hated all the fast forwards i strongly disliked them and i really only watch them in case i miss something and i will tell you some of them i just fast forwarded through because i just didn't like them i didn't like who duck son was i didn't i didn't like any of the adult stuff it felt silly and didn't fit the tone. I don't know. And I realized that this is like a reply thing because I was like, why do they have these stupid fast yeah, forwards? And Leah was like, Megan, <laughs> that's what they do. And I was like, okay, okay. That's honestly my only quibble. I just didn't like them. 
And I actually didn't mind the fast forwards at all, but I agree with the disconnect between adult tech and teen tech. That's why for so long I was so sure that Duxun ended up with Jung Wan. Yeah, same. But I do want to give a shout out to the actor who played adult tech because he was a quote unquote mature hero I wanted to know more about. And sadly, I did find out that Kim Joo Hyuk, who played adult tech, died in a car accident in 2017. Oh, no. I know. Because I was like, what else can I watch him in? Because this guy can get it. I mean, he might not be acting like tech, but I liked him. Um, So that was sad for me to find out. But because I don't want to end on a sad note like that, and that was not a quibble for me, I will say that my one quibble was the wigs. (laughs) I love the wigs, actually. (laughs) No, I mean, I... Like, they're endearing after a while, absolutely, because they're just, they're funny. But, like, they're so obviously wigs, and every time I looked at the moms, I'm like, that's a wig. And that always takes me out Mm -hmm. for a moment. I mean, it doesn't ruin the story for me, but it takes me out. Like, I remember, I think it was, like, the second Twilight movie where Kristen Stewart had, like, cut her hair for something, but, like, she had to still play Bella with the long hair, and she had, like, this horrible wig and my daughter and I were watching the movie and I'm like that's a wig isn't it like my daughter had just read all the books and I'm like that's a wig please tell me that's a wig like it doesn't look like real hair it's terrible and we start like googling and like yes she's wearing a wig and here's why it's fine but like I just knew the whole time it was a wig and so it just took me out and so yeah with the moms like I always knew that they were wigs but it was kitschy and like endearing after you know several episodes because this drama like I said did take half my life to watch and so it didn't take me out, you know, after the first few episodes. But yeah, the wigs were a little. The they're good wigs. Like they're they're great wigs. But they were like. You know? But these were not good wigs. And they were <laughs> and like. Kristen Stewart didn't have a good wig. It, it was like Sun Woo's mom and Duck Sun's mom had the exact same wig too. Yeah. They did. <laughs> The exact same wig. Like the same And Jung Wan and Jung Bong's mom had one that parted to the side. Right. I know. So, right. yeah. I mean, I love this yeah. drama. Like, the wigs are not a true quibble, but they're a tiny quibble. Yeah. Okay. Well, does anyone have a book wreck? I have an 80s romance, if yeah. I may share. Let's do it. Um, and yes. what I think is super fun about this 80s romance is the author, it's called What I'm Looking For, and the author is Karen Gray who is actually Karen White, the audiobook narrator. And she's like one of my favorite romance novel audiobook narrators. Um, Mm -hmm. She's done a lot of, I I don't want to say it wrong, but I think she's done like a lot of Jill Shelvis. But anyway. The cover is very cute. Yes. One of my favorite audiobook narrators. We've connected at conferences and gotten to be friendly. And so when her first, she wrote, this is her first book um, that she wrote. Like she's narrated so many wonderful romance novels and now she's got her own. And of course she narrated too. So I, I listened to it and it's called What I'm Looking For. It's a super cute cover. It's an 80s romance. So it's a brilliant at math, but challenged with people heroine and a stubbornly frugal hero find love in spite of themselves in this vintage romance debut from <laughs> award-winning author Karen Gray. So finance hotshot Kate Bishop doesn't expect the cute bartender to quote Shakespeare at her when she meets her colleagues for happy hour, nor for him to rescue the rest of the workday with a special cocktail. Will Talbot's head is turned by the adorably nerdy young woman who doesn't seem to belong with the rest of the power suit crowd, but his heart knows that he's got to keep his eyes on the prize, his career as a professional actor. Opposites attract in this romantic comedy, so this quirky pair finally gives in to chemistry stronger than a stiff Harvey Wallbanger, but when real life throws them a curveball, will love win or will career. And it was super cute. I love that the woman was like 
the power earner in this one. And she was, you know, it's the eighties too. So she's working in an office with all men who are super icky. And the hero is a struggling actor in New York and like quotes Shakespeare, which is super nerdy and I love it. And just, yeah, really cute. Takes place in the eighties. Highly recommend. That is again, what I'm looking for by Karen Gray. And what are we all watching? Well, I just finished Sawbuck last night at about one in the morning so I have not started a new drama yet. I did the short, the dra- the short like mini series, um, Seven First Kisses, which is really cute. Right before that, um, so I think I'm going to be diving into Our Beloved Summer next. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm still on while you were sleeping, and it, it kind of hit a little bit of a lull for me, but now it's picked back up, and I'm really into it. I'm really, really loving the cast, and yeah, so I'm getting towards the end. And then I'm not sure what after that. But for now, I'm really enjoying it. And for me, um, look, this was a dark horse. I thought somebody would have told us about this like somewhere, but I guess I didn't make it clear that I really, 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 for whatever reason, love Color Rush. I don't know why I love it as much as I do. I did too. I just love it. (laughs) And so Color Rush 2 is out. And I found that last night. I flipped out. I got grand. I got grandpa, like grandpa ghost, which is a. If you have not listened to Color Rush, grandpa ghost is a character who gets maybe three seconds of airtime, <laughs> like ever. It is like such a scene stealer for me. And it's a kid at a public school in Korea, living his best life. And he apparently just has like a grandpa living inside his body. And everyone's grandpa just like ghost. aware that this exists. It's not part. Of, and they just, and it's not it. part of the actual like <laughs> thrust of the main conflict of the drama. It's just like a, like an ensemble character. Like imagine no, his, no, Ool that's his thing. Just has a grandpa living in him and no one's ever like, Oh, like what's up with grandpa inside you? It's just like a accepted reality. Oh, no, Ool for sure right. has a grandpa living in him. <laughs> so, but anyway, <laughs> color rush or, um, yeah, color rush two. I'm liking it. I mean, they're very short. They're like 12 minute episodes. So I'm going to like finish it tonight, but I, um, and then I'm going to start our beloved summer. So this was not a 12 minute episode, but it was fun. And I love talking about this drama. And, and we I will talk, talk about talk it for, more. <laughs> we will. We will. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back talk to talk about, about it more. We've got another episode coming up. So thank yeah. you for sticking around for this one. We hope that you have watched all of the drama and that we haven't spoiled the big moments for you because it's really something that you need to experience on your own for the first time or get spoiled like Megan did, you know, right around Honor <laughs> Alley. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Annyeong. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to AfternoonOfDelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T.com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!